you go on Facebook, you'll find many articles, or at least I do, um, articles about what's wrong with the church, what's, what's broken about the church, and you know, I guess I'm just getting tired of it. You know what's right with the church? You're what's right with the church. Uh, last, uh, last Wednesday, we had our fourth uh, family night meal. We reached out to the community. We opened our doors. We opened our hearts. We said, come on in. We want you to be part of the family. We started that four months ago, and we started out with they had five people come. That, and, you know, honestly, I was a little disappointed by that. I was hoping we'd get more. The next time we did it, there were 11 people. Oh, my, that was good. We doubled in size. The next time we did it, we had 21 people. And that started to, man, started to click a little bit. This last Wednesday night, we had 38 people come. Amen. We opened our hearts, we opened our doors, we opened our lives. We said, we want to be your friend. We want to build a relationship. I'm looking over at Belinda, told a beautiful story. Beautiful story. Everyone was absolutely uh, just entranced by that story. And, and we shared life. And what it affirmed to me is that if we invite people, if we encourage people, if we trust people with our hearts just a little bit, they're going to come. There's a great need. There's a great hunger. And they'll respond, what's right with the church? You're what's right with the church. And I'm proud of you. Well done. We're going to turn to the book of Acts today, the 22nd chapter. Acts 22 in the first verse. Follow along with me. May the Holy Spirit breathe fresh life into these strong, beautiful words. The Apostle Paul says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prison, as also the high priest and all the council and the elders can testify. From then I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were there with me saw the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up and go on into Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand of those who were with me and came into Damascus. A certain man, Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me. And standing near and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time I looked up at him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized 
and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Would you pray with me? We thank you, Father, for the wonderful opportunity to come into your house. We thank you for the giftedness that you have given these musicians today to lead us in worship. We thank you, Father, for your holy word that is alive, that breathes still into us this moment. We pray, Father, that you would open our eyes, just like you opened Paul, to the blessing and the calling that you have given each one. We pray these things in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Last week we began a sermon series entitled, Go and Tell. It's based upon the words of Jesus and his great commission to us, not just to the 11 first hearers, but to all of us to go and make disciples. As we looked at this importance of fulfilling our calling, we needed to start by looking at the motivation to go. And so we looked at four important points. Number one, evangelism is an essential, non-negotiable part of every disciple of Jesus. Number two, we ask ourselves the question, does our love and passion for Jesus sufficiently compel us to be obedient to his command? Number three, a hard question. Can we truly say that we love Jesus if we aren't sharing the gospel and making disciples? He said, if you love me, you will obey me. He commanded us to go. Are we lovingly going and obeying him? And finally, together, we must understand, internalize, feel deeply the lostness of those around us. And the hope of this series is that our passion will be rekindled, that our love for Jesus will compel us to the point that sharing our faith is just a natural, comfortable, essential cornerstone of our life. So natural, a question that we go to the scriptures for help, we go to the Apostle Paul as an example, as certainly one of the greatest church planters, as one of the greatest evangelists ever to walk the earth. How did Paul share his faith? Well, you may have already picked up on a few things as we read our scripture passage together today. Number one, the most important thing is this. I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else, focus in on this just a little bit. We see in the scriptures that Paul spends most of his time simply telling his salvation story. Three times alone in the book of Acts, throughout the epistles, but just three times in the book of Acts. He quotes some scripture, certainly. He goes back to the Old Testament. Sometimes he quotes it verbatim. Sometimes he paraphrases it. But listen, the essential, the primary evangelical tool that he uses is sharing his encounter with Jesus. It's as simple as this. This was my life before Jesus this is my story at the point that I met Jesus, and this is the difference that he's made in my life since then. We must internalize this. It's not complicated, although it is absolutely profound. Yet you and I simply, seems to me that we make it more complicated than it needs to be. We start talking, we start talking about our faith, and all of a sudden we feel like we've got to use multisyllabic words. You know what that means? Big words that you would never use with your friends in day-to-day -day conversation. Seems like we should probably start speaking with a British accent, don't you think? 
You know why? Because everything sounds better when you speak with a British accent, doesn't it? And don't you know that Jesus spoke with a British accent? I know because in every movie I've ever seen, he speaks with a British accent. The apostles likewise speak with a British accent. No wonder we get tongue twisted. No wonder we get tied up. We make it more difficult. Instead of being truly the authentic self, the person that we are, and simply telling the story, this is how it was before Jesus. This is how I met Jesus. This is the difference he's made in my life. Why do we torture ourselves? Your faith story, listen to me now, your faith story is profound. I was thinking about Sandy this week, and, and uh, we have very different faith journeys Sandy uh, was raised in church. Sandy, just like you, very similar. She raised in church. She stayed in church. She went off to college. You know, she was in the Baptist Union. She, she never strayed far from the church. Her life is one consistent. Compared to me, she is an angel. My life journey, my life of faith, very different. I didn't go to church when I was a kid. I, I didn't raise up. In fact, just the opposite. I tried everything that the world had to offer, found it wanting, found it a failure. All it did was rip at my soul until the point that I didn't care if I lived or died. We have very different stories, but we have one incredible, powerful thing in common. Here it is, Colossians 1.13. For Jesus, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Compared to me, Sandy is an angel, but it's the wrong comparison. Because when we compare ourselves, we only compare ourselves to a holy and righteous God. And compared to him, all of us fall utterly, completely short. But Jesus, two of the most profound words that anyone could ever speak. But Jesus transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He transferred us from a destruction of a future to a heavenly eternity with him. Don't you ever say that your story isn't profound. It is an insult to the one who saved you. You were saved by the blood of the living God. Don't you ever say your story is not profound enough to share. Your testimony is profound. This is the way that my life was before Jesus. This is how I met Jesus, and this is the difference that he's made. I want to share some things with you this morning that I think are, there's some things that are going to help you share your story. There's some things that are going to hinder your story, the things that we probably want to stay away from. And the first one that I see in the Apostle Paul's life as he tells his story is, number one, he built a bridge. That's what Paul did, and we should too. Paul begins with this, brethren and fathers, right off the bat, what's he saying? Brethren and fathers, we're of the same family. He says, we may appear, listen, we may appear to be different. We may appear at this moment to be kind of butting heads, that we're on the opposite side, that we might be arguing with each other, but the Paul says what? Brethren and fathers, we're on the same side. We have much more in common than you might think, and that's a wonderful bridge as we start to share our faith. What do we have in common? 
Paul not only told him that, that they, were, they were family. That I'm a Jew, he said. I, I was zealous. I was educated. I was a respected man in this community of faith. I was doing right, just like you think you're doing right. Build a bridge, number one. The next thing, secondly, tell your story. That's what we've been talking about. I want you to take that. This is my life before. This is my life as I met Jesus. This is the profound difference he's made ever since. Paul described his life as one persecuting Christians. He thought he was doing right until he encountered Jesus. Listen again. But it happened that I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime. A very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I'll tell you what. With all my heart, I believe this, that that encounter with Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, never got over it. He never got over that moment. That's why he says, I am compelled by the gospel. I was, I was headed down a place of destruction. I was the man who was either, I was culpable in murdering these Christians, these people of the way. But Jesus, and he never got over that moment. Have you? I've told you this story before. I'm going to say it again. There was a time when I, just when I was in Germany, I was a second lieutenant. I just accepted Christ. Man, I was on fire for the Lord. I just I was on fire. I was telling everybody about Jesus. I was, I was one of those annoying born-again Christians, you know? And there was a young woman that came to the unit that I was in charge of, and I was talking to her. I said, uh, listen, are you, a, are, are you a child of the king? Do you, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. I said, well, why don't you come to church with Sandy and I? Why don't you come to church with us, and we'll take you out to lunch afterwards. I just want you to be in the community of faith. She looked at me, you know, and she said, she said, you're born again, aren't you? I said, yep, I'm proud of it. She said, I'll never forget. Well, you'll get over it. I hope not. The Apostle Paul didn't get over it. He felt so compelled that he had to share. Compelled, obligated. It was not just an obligation, but it was an honor to share his faith, to share his life story. Have we gotten over it? Have we gotten so comfortable that it's not a great part of our life. Before Jesus, meeting Jesus, and since Jesus. And he said, the God of our fathers has appointed you. You know, as I read those words, I felt like I could read him to you. The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear utterance from his mouth. For you, you, you will be a witness to him, to all men of what you have seen and heard. Did you see what he said? What you have seen and what you have heard, that's what you're responsible for. What's your encounter with Jesus Christ? How have you experienced him? That's the task. Jesus used Ananias. He used Ananias. You know why? Here's what we have in common with Paul. He gave Paul a ministry. He gave Paul a mission. He gave Paul a purpose for his life. We don't have to go around thinking, does my life have meaning? That's an insane question for a person of faith because we have a purpose. We have a mission. I was thinking about you all who are going to Alaska this morning. Man, oh man, we've got a whole Sunday school going. 
whole Sunday school class going. And I was thinking about you this morning. When you go, you're going in the name of Jesus. No, we're just going on vacation. Uh-uh, no more. You're a minister of the gospel. This is your calling. You've got purpose. So when you're out doing your daily devotionals, man, you should be looking. Who can I share this, the good news with? Who can I share? Because I'm compelled. I am honored. I have a calling. I have a meaning in life. Go, therefore, and make disciples to Judea, Samaria, Alaska, the ends of the world. Tell your story. Tell it with pride. Tell it with passion. You know why? Because passion speaks. Tell it with joy because joy is truth. And didn't something incredible happen to every one of you? Why can't we just trust? My, boy, my story's not impressive enough. Can't you just trust the Holy Spirit that your particular story is that puzzle piece that the, 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 the Holy Spirit is going to align you perfectly with that other person that needs to hear your story and only your story is going to make sense to that person? I think the one who has created and sustains all life can coordinate that, can't you? Can't we just trust him? Next thing I want to tell you, be ready. Be ready. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. I was so blessed. There's my brother, Tony. Tony just scrunched down in his seat. Tony, I was so proud of you yesterday, or last Sunday, he told a, his, his life story. Cindy, I was so proud of you. You know what they had in common? Not much. Uh, it's kind of like Sandy and me, you know, different. Um, what's the conclusion? Guys are trouble. I think that's the conclusion. You know one thing they had in common? They wrote out every word. They wrote out every word. You know what that tells me? Tony, Cindy knew, this is so important. This is so important. My life story, my testimony is so important. I've got to get this right. I've got to get this right. My Savior is so important to me. He, he deserves the very best. That's the first thing that I'll tell you to do. If you've got a challenge, if you feel like I've never really shared my testimony, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home this week, maybe even this afternoon, I want you to write out your testimony. It'll be an incredibly valuable thing. Once you've done it, then share it with a good friend. Listen, share it with your spouse. Number three, polish it and refine it. You need to get your testimony down to about three minutes. That's all you got. About three minutes is all you've got. Number four, commit it to memory. Turn off the radio as you're driving to work. How, how, how long does it take you to drive to work? 15 minutes? That means you can tell, you're, you can get that, that testimony down five times. If you're talking in the car and people got you pull up next to you, think you're crazy, they probably already think you're crazy. If they know you, they think you're crazy. So don't worry about it. Just go over it over and over. Here's how much you want to be able to memorize your testimony. By the way, it's not that hard. You're an expert in your life, right? Right, so here's how much you want to memorize it. Memorize it to the point where you can say, you can say your testimony, you can look into that person's eyes and see if you're connecting, and at the same time, you're praying to a heavenly God all the time. That's how well you need to know it. The scripture says, be ready. Tell your story. Watch that other person. Somebody here today is saying, well, that's just hard. I just want to tell you, if someone told you when you accepted Jesus Christ that the life of faith is easy, they lied. 
Because I'll tell you what I believe, studying the scriptures. I believe this, that although grace is free, you and I are held to an incredibly high standard. And may I just ask you this morning, is your Lord and Savior, has he commanded you to go? Say amen if you believe it. So let's try one more time. I think I caught you off guard. Do you believe that Jesus Christ has commanded you to go and share your testimony? Do you believe that if you love him, you're going to obey him? Do you believe that he's worth it? Do you believe you have a wondrous and incredible story to share? Fell off a little bit. We'll work on it. (laughs) 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself with proof to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Man, is there anything that you've ever done in your life that you're really good at that it didn't take some preparation in advance. So be prepared. Be ready. Next, don't get long-winded. I know that's hypocritical of me to say that. (laughs) Get to the point. Don't oversupply. Stop and answer questions. Be present in the moment. You know, If you're sharing your testimony and that person says about halfway through, you know what? I'm convinced by what you say. I believe in Jesus Christ. I want to accept him right now. Don't say to him, no, no, no. I've got to finish my testimony. I'm only, hey, be with that person. Be present. Interact as if what? You were talking naturally with a friend. I was talking to one of our choir members this morning. She said she, she invited somebody to come to church this morning. She was having lunch at Hardy's. Well, that's not, you know, that's not. Yeah, it's perfect. Go. In fact, as you go, wherever you go, isn't he worth it? Next, avoid fuzzy stories. This is one of my favorite because we kind of tend to do this. You know, fuzzy theological stories, you know, uh, life of faith is kind of like, well, it's like Moses, you know. When Moses commanded the Israelites to put blood over the doorposts of their houses, and that was a foreshadowing of Jesus, and because he is our lamb, and would you like to put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of your heart? And 3,000 were saved that day. Be authentic. Be yourself. Listen, I know most of you pretty well now. And your authentic self is worth talking about. It's good. Your life story is good. Avoid religionese. Did you know Christians have their own language? We really do. I'm lost, but now I'm found. I was saved by the blood. You know, all that's true if you're an insider and you kind of were raised in church and you know the language. But if this is your first time in church, I was thinking this morning as I was, you know, or this week as I was writing, I'm guilty of this because I've been talking about Paul. Paul this, Paul that, Paul. Listen, we know about Paul, right? But if you're brand new to the faith, who's Paul? I may have heard about Jesus. I hope you have. But Paul may be a complete stranger. And whatever he says may not have the weight. Tell your story. Tell about Jesus. And finally, be strong and courageous. Be courageous and faithful. I was sharing with one of our uh, church members this morning one of my favorite Bible verses in the Scripture. It's from Joshua 1.9. Do not tremble or be dismayed. 
Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not tremble or be dismayed. You know what? God says that to Joshua three times. You know why? Because he was trembling and dismayed. But about three times, you should say it to yourself. Be strong and courageous. I'm going into a great fight. I'm going into the battle. Man, we need to be praying as you're sharing your faith. We need to be praying for that individual. Because you know what? There's a battle going around you. When you're sharing your faith, you've got to understand there's a cosmic battlefield around you. And you need Holy Spirit power. And you need Holy Spirit wisdom. And you need Holy Spirit strength. So you keep sharing that story of how God changed you, transformed you. And be strong and courageous. We're going to need that. Because you know what? I'm going to ask you to say the most frightening, difficult terribly difficult words in the Christian language. I know it because we say it so rarely. We, this is the most difficult, challenging thing that you'll ever say. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's... Here it is. Jesus loves me. He changed my life. He loves you too. And he can do the same for you. Would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Not that hard, really, is it? There's only one two-syllable word in the whole sentence. It's the truth, isn't it? Isn't it the most profound truth that any of us know that Jesus loves us, he changed us, he saved us, he transferred us, he's transforming us, he's going to come again, he's going to glorify? Isn't that the most powerful truth that you know? Haven't we personally experienced it? Haven't we been commissioned and commanded to go by the Lord of all to communicate this truth? Then why is it that we struggle so? Isn't it time to change? Monday night, we had a deacon's meeting. And I'll just tell you right now, I've never served with a better bunch of deacons in my life. Couldn't be prouder of them. We did the work of the deacons, you know. We went around the table, talked about each family. We prayed for those that are in the hospital, for those that are sick, that those that are going through trials. We listened to congregational feedback. We tried to respond. We got into such detail that we were even talking about how gutters and how they needed to be fixed. But the deacons came to the conclusion that they didn't volunteer to be deacons in order to fix gutters, but to be the spiritual leaders of this church. And so they committed to each other that they would lead from the front. That's how we used to say it in the army, that they would lead from the front, that they would pray and go, that they would make sharing their own testimony a, a critical, important, essential part of their life, that they would share the good news of Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit guides, and that we would be accountable to one another, sharing our opportunities at the next deacon's meeting. They chose to lead from the front. 
And I've never been any prouder of a group of deacons in my life. I'm just asking you this morning, won't you follow their leadership? Husbands, men, you have been commissioned by God to be the spiritual leaders of your families. Won't you lead? Won't you lead by setting an example, by writing out your testimony, by sharing the good news as you have opportunities? Women of the church, this church would be in a terrible condition if it was not for your leadership. So likewise, won't you make this a priority in the lineage of Elizabeth and Anna and Martha and Mary and Dorcas and Lydia, won't you commit this day to sharing your faith to our teens? Did you know that the vast majority of people will accept Jesus Christ before their 18th birthday? And what that means is the vast majority of people that haven't accepted by their 18th birthday will never accept Jesus Christ. Do you realize that your life, your school, your friends is the richest Mission field in America? And if you're old enough to accept Jesus Christ, then you're old enough to witness for Christ. So won't you likewise commit to sharing your faith? Listen, buildings and programs and ministries are all important to the life of the church. But sharing our faith is the very heartbeat of the church. Can't you see it now? Can't you see it as you look around the church? Can't you envision it in your mind? All of the pews that are empty, full, overflowing, having to figure out problems with parking. Bring on the problems. Having to figure out maybe we need two services. Come on, let's do it. Can't you see that vision? Can't you see the baptismal flowing every Sunday? Having to figure out how we're going to pay the water bill. Come on, bring on the problems. Can't you, can't you see in your mind believers being transformed from believers to disciples, to disciple makers? Can't you see the future of the church secure? The church known throughout the community. What do you want this church known for? Grounds are important. Buildings are beautiful. But they're all about ministry, all about sharing the good news, all about growing in our faith. What do you want this church known for as people drive by, as they walk by, as they talk about this church in the community? Are they even talking now? And wouldn't you like this church to be known as there is a place where God is worshipped. There is a place where everyone's welcome no matter of their background. And that church, that church, that's a soul-winning church. May this be our vision for the future. And may this moment we commit to fulfilling this wonderful command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we thank you for so many good gifts. In fact, I think of the words of the book of James, that everything that is good in our life, we know, we believe, we confess that everything that is good comes from you. You make all things work together in our lives. We have a hard time working together anything. But, oh Lord, we thank you for the wonderful commission that you would include us in your plan for your world.
Change us, Lord. I'm afraid that we have become too comfortable, too complacent. So this moment, by the power of your Spirit, draw us close and help us. Change us. Give us a desire to be soul winners. Give us a desire to fulfill the calling that you have given us. Let the scales fall from our eyes as we see those around us that are headed toward an eternity in hell. And give us the love, the passion, the obedience to act, to be prepared. We love you. May our love flourish as we go in your name. Amen.